0: It might seem like a really obvious thing to say, but I really believe that the key to any successful acting career is versatility. And today's guest is nothing if not versatile. He's a musician, a singer, an actor, and is equal at home with Shakespeare as he is with Sondheim. His career has taken him from huge wrestling juggernauts like Les Mis to up-close and personal spaces like the Union Theatre in Southwark, and most recently, in the original London production of Jez Butterworth's The Ferryman, it's Fra Fee. Hello Fra, how are you? How's it going, Kirk? Yes, mm-hmm. very well. Thank Thank you. you. <laughs> it's nice of you to ask. Um, so, how was The Ferryman? Uh, You've just left, is that right?
1: Yeah, I departed the show on the 6th of January. Um, I mean, it sounds like a little cliché to say, but it just was one of those incredible projects that I feel very, very lucky to have been a part of. Um, Laura Donnelly, who played Caitlin in the production originally, who's Jez's partner, um, we had a chat about it actually when we were rehearsing, she said, these jobs come along once in a while, where at the end of it, you absolutely just turned a corner and some way, so it's been a milestone for you. Absolutely, yeah. For, for, for many reasons. I mean, I think you very rarely get uh, the quality of writing that jazz can produce, you mm-hmm. know, very often. Mm-hmm. And to originate it and the fact that it's set from you know where I grew up mm-hmm. the, the play is set from County RMI I grew up in County
0: Traum just next to it it just felt very significant the whole thing mm-hmm. um, did you guys know because it, it starts at the Royal Court didn't it did you know when you were putting it together I mean obviously Sam Mendes was attached and as, you, as you mentioned incredible writing did you guys have a feeling really early on that it was going to be this kind of huge hit
1: um it seems a bit uh, so big-headed to say, but I, I did, yeah. I personally did anyway, but not because of you know, my involvement in it or anything, but the, the very first time I read it, we I was invited to do a read-through of it maybe a year and a half ago, or over that, in fact, almost two years ago, um, and two-thirds of the play was written. And Sonia had assembled just a random group of Northern Irish actors just to read through this thing. Mm-hmm. And even without the incredible ending, for those that have seen the play, and uh, even without knowing it, I just thought it was one of the best things i would ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, at that stage, a different director was attached to Ian Rickson, and then when uh, Sam came on board and you've just got these two you know, powerhouses of, of theatre and film coming together. It just felt like a very, very obvious mm-hmm. hit was in, in the making, you know? I guess there was a little bit of uh, scepticism in terms of the material, I wasn't really sure if an English audience would take to what is a really Irish story, mm-hmm. um, but I was very oh, pleasantly surprised. It's been such a huge, huge hit. And it's just extended. As well. uh, Yes, well, it's playing until May something, I believe, May nineteenth, um, with uh, Rosalie Craig. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, was, I I considered for all
0: of maybe three seconds staying on for this extension when Rosie said she was doing. Well, that's, it. that's funny, actually. It was something I was going to ask you a little bit later, but let's talk about it now. I should brought it up. What? What was the decision not to stay? I mean.
1: Um. I don't know, I've,
0: it's very long, <laughs> and because of the nature of the contract
1: ordinarily if you accept a 12 month job you know, which I've done before you have your your four weeks holiday to look mm-hmm. forward to and you can plan your trip home or you right. can plan your week in France to yeah, recuperate and come back to work France, you're fancy, go on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or wherever, you know, Brighton um, but in this instance because it was just extended there was no real holiday as such oh I see and and it's tiring you know working in the West End <laughs> is really really exhausting the one day off a week just is less and, and less enough time mm-hmm. to recuperate every week mm-hmm. so I was I was tired and mm-hmm. uh, I was quite happy to sort of hand over this wonderful thing to someone else to do mm-hmm. for a bit
0: well that that leads me actually on to another uh, question that I was kind of thinking about on my way here today because as you said, you did create this role, and this mm-hmm. is an original, uh, original production that, that kind of you were part of. What's it like to hand that over to someone else? Do you feel Do you feel a bit of a pang kind of oh, don't ruin it; it's mine.
1: <laughs> um, it's hard to say. Not
0: really. Not not really. Um, it's funny you say that. I mean, that's nice to hear. Yeah, but I know actors who have taken that extension and who have done it until the show closes because the thought of handing it over to someone else or the thought of seeing someone else do it is is too difficult for them. I know actors that are like that as well and even bizarrely actors that have
1: just been playing a role that has already existed for many, many, many years but they will just cling on to it for a long time Mm -hmm. Um, and you know each to their own of course but I I don't really think a part is there for anyone to own, you know, you can't be possessive of these things. You, I was very lucky to have done it for the first time, but you know, and I you'll think, always be the original. so Yeah, you yeah.
0: My, you. my name's in the, at the front of the play and then <laughs> in the book. I'm thrilled. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so amazing, isn't it? Because I love that when you when you buy a play and it says originally performed. Yeah, yeah. And that'll always be you. That's quite cool. Yeah, isn't that's it? really really cool. You know, and um, yeah. No, I I didn't feel too
1: bothered. P- perhaps if it had happened much earlier.
0: Time to move on, isn't it? After yeah, that? absolutely, yeah. It's, it's healthy. And have you gone and seen the other person? Have you got to see the new cast? No, no. Uh, I haven't. I'm so not very you're nice not very comfortable with it,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, the reason why I haven't is I just so happy to have a little bit of a break from the piece, yeah. Um, but I'm definitely going to go see, it. as I said, I'm a very good friends with Rosie Craig and mm. uh, as you like it, It was originally, as I said, written for Laura Donnelly, jazz partner, um, and it was based a little bit on her own personal experiences. Uh, her uncle was uh, disappeared by the IRA. Her uncle Eugene, um, you know, so he was executed, buried in, in a bog, and his body was found, and that sort of formed the inspiration for the beginning of this story. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not entirely. Um, Autobiographical, but it's very There's much. much of it. Yeah, yeah, it was written for her, it's her, her story, and um, I guess it's a real sense of responsibility for Sarah, who then played it, and now Rosé. It's mm-hmm. a very
0: special role, yeah. you know. You've got very, to look after something when you're playing yeah. that part. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about the fact that you were born in Ireland as well, as if, if anyone couldn't figure that out for themselves. <laughs> um, did it resonate differently for you, do you think, because you were? It was an interesting experience for me
1: because the play is set in nineteen eighty-one. I was born in nineteen eighty-seven, but the troubles were still technically taking place for the first few years of my life. Uh, you know, I remember one particular instance I remember a helicopter landing in my back garden as I was playing swing ball and just this group of you know British soldiers coming out and Marching up and down the, the streets, you know, in my little rural to the countryside home, uh, which is which seems really really bizarre. But do you know what? It, I, just, uh, I was I've been watching Dairy Girls. I don't know if you've been watching Dairy mm-hmm. Girls on Channel 4. I think it's brilliant, so wonderfully irreverent. And it mm-hmm. actually paints a wonderful picture of what it's like to grow up in that environment yeah. because you're still a kid and you're mm-hmm. still playing swing ball. The fact that there's like British soldiers coming out of a helicopter is neither here nor there, really. a bit, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, that's annoying. It's affecting my swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I felt somewhat sort of uh, outside of the situation and I wish I actually was knew a wee bit more of my place in, in hi- history at that time, mm-hmm. my place of where I, how I identify as an Irish person etc etc you know so the play opened up a lot of that and it, it opened up the conversation, conversation um, which which was very as I say cathartic mm. and beneficial and, and obviously your parents have seen it of course yeah yeah, yeah. And, and my aunties and uncles of which I have many mm. uh, and you know they're from the Catholic Republican um, neighbourhoods in Northern Ireland and so yeah it resonated with them and a lot of well, one particular critic thought it didn't ring true, the play, but actually I was glad that my family thought it absolutely did, just with a nice sort of pinch of poetry and lyricism mm, and, mm. and sort of dramatic well, that critic
0: is probably on their own, because I don't. I haven't met <coughs> anyone who doesn't yeah. think it's the most brilliant thing that they've seen. Yeah, yeah. He very much was on his own. Yeah. People just like to... <laughs> yeah, stir the part a bit, yeah. So you spoke a little bit about your parents before. So tell me a bit about your background. How do you get into? So from watching helicopters landing about garden, mm-hmm. how how did you find theatre, or how did it find you? What was what was that path for your parents? Um, theatrical at all? Yeah, my dad
1: is an extremely literary person, he reads a lot. And he does amateur dramatics back at home. It's a a huge thing in Ireland. (laughs) Uh, It's actually mental. Um, And particularly at that time, there was no real uh, professional in-house productions taking place. And there was the Lyric Theatre in Belfast, Mm -hmm. and then the, the Abbey and the Gate Theatres in Dublin. And that's sort of it. So amateur dramatics is a big thing. He doesn't sing at all. Um, but he's a really fine actor, and he would do you know productions of, uh, Brian Free and Martin McDonough and Harold Pinter plays, and you know all the classic stuff. And I went to see it all. I went to watch it all, and just really fell in love. Um, so he sort of introduced drama into my life, I suppose. Um, my sisters also sang. I've got three older sisters, um, and one. Uh, one, one in particular, Claire, was doing a production of Blood Brothers uh, at her all-girls school playing Mickey.
0: What an interesting <laughs> choice for an <old> all-girls school. <laughs> yeah, I know. They did West Side Story. story and about two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, the, the following show was West Side Story, when she was playing Tony. <laughs> right. But um, she played Mickey in, in Blood Brothers, and I went every single performance. I must have been six maybe I was really young, but just was completely hooked by it, and yeah, I I remember I wanted to be an actor from a very, very young age, it sort of meandered a little bit as I sort of um, got older and started and discovered my singing voice and stuff, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been a part of my life, I guess, since Mm -hmm. I was very, very young. And then, of course, you chose to kind of pursue it, and uh, you came over here Mm -hmm. to train, now you trained initially in music. Yeah, I did a music degree in Manchester. So when you were when you were training in music, did you know that you wanted to be an actor, or were you? Was that a moment where you thought actually I could go into music? Here was it? Was it? Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I just wasn't quite sure at that
1: stage. Um, I primarily did a music degree because I hadn't made my mind up. Mind up when I was at school, mm-hmm. I had. I was thinking of doing vocal studies. At one point, I thought I might conduct choirs. Uh, um, yeah, acting. I just didn't quite know. And then at university, I had three years to sort of make up my mind, and I was doing so much singing um, and and acting at the same time. And I guess. It just seemed like an obvious thing to, to merge the two and do musical theatre as a postgrad afterwards. It's,
0: yeah, because did you do a musical theatre postgrad or yeah. an acting postgrad? What did theater musical theater musical theater? At the Royal Academy of Music. Because yeah. it seems like to me that you are a musician and an actor hmm. and that those two things have kind of come together in musical theatre, but it hmm. seems to me like you... Have the more kind of classic background in both disciplines. Yeah, that's, really, that's what kind of comes across. Yeah. to me.
1: Well, certainly uh, music-wise, yeah, I I would have had a more classical upbringing. You know, did classical singing mm-hmm. and all, and did a an academic music degree. If I could do it all again, I probably would have done it a little bit differently.
0: But did you, I, you feel like you missed out on the fame experience? The yeah. Uh, oh, no, I don't.
1: Gone to do musical theatre, drama school. I think I may have done acting, right? For, okay, for three years. Uh, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I had, um, if I was guided or had sort of a mentor to sort of help me figure it out better, because very much on my own, and I just figured, yeah, I sing and I act,
0: mm. because it's just an obvious choice. Yeah. And I had a very, very lovely time. Do you feel uh, when you got out into the business and you started working, did you feel um, that you'd kind of missed out on anything or almost that you kind of, cause if you go to university and you do music and then of course you do the postgrad, but you missed out on that three years at drama school and you know, and I, I have a friend, what one is specifically coming to mind and she didn't train at all, Mm. but she's very, very successful Mm. uh, in musical theater and there's something about her personality which, because she didn't go to drama school, it's always just something slightly different to, mm. to the ensemble or to, or to the ensemble yeah. company. Did you feel anything like that? Mm. I guess a, a little bit. I, j- I mean, I love
1: rehearsing, and I love talking about players <laughs> and acting, mm. and really just, just, yeah, just talking very... I I guess (laughs) pompously about about art. Mm. uh, I think I would have really, really enjoyed three years of 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 acting training. I don't think I would have been able to stick at musical theatre. One, I mean, I, I teach at several drama schools and musical theatre courses, and I, I just know I would have been, wouldn't would have been made for it. Mm. Uh, I, mean, I teach singing and acting through song.
0: What's your dancing like? Not good. No? Maybe. Not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for that like, very reason. You don't know if you're dancing, are you from? You you don't know you're not known if
1: you dancing? No, I did start off doing very dancey shows, but in non-dancing parts. Oh, okay. Yeah, my first job was dirty dancing. Is that not in your little um uh, oh,
0: well I notes I'm <laughs> to be honest, I did spot it on your uh and you thought it was, must have been some sort of yeah. typo. But you know, I just I just thought I'd leave it out. Yeah. Uh, Kind of feel uh, yeah. about it too much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I did notice fame on there as well. Yeah, that was in second yeah. gig. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. okay. As, as you brought it up, let's talk about dirty dancing. Oh, yeah. There's not much to say. Like,
1: I mean, the dirty dancing thing, I was at the academy. Um, a friend of mine from uni, uh, who I did music with, her mum is a casting director, uh, Irene, and she called me up one day and said, I think I've got an audition for you for this thing. And she was talking for about 10 minutes and saying like, it's great and you'll sing and I think you're the right personality and you've got the right look. And just before she hung up, I was like, oh, sorry, 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 one last thing. Um, what is it for? And she said, dirty dancing. And I practically snorted down the phone. But I thought I would go and just get the first audition nerves out of the way. And then sort of accidentally got the job mm. and was just so thrilled to have been... To to really offers money to, to like sing mm. and, and act a little bit of, yeah I'll absolutely do it you know, um so it was it was an, an odd little baptism of fire very
0: very odd um but but you know um it was the start of something I guess yeah um, and you like it seems to me as someone who's kind of you know knows what various people are up to uh, in the business it seems to me like your career's taken quite a drastic. Turned mm. since the fame days yeah. the Dirty Dancing days did you know when you were doing it and I don't want to kind of overhoo those jobs no. because you know I, I'm going to be honest Mamma Mia isn't my idea mm. of a good night out but Mamma isn't there for me mm, yeah. you know yeah, exactly, it's, it's catering yeah. for someone else Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it should absolutely have a place within the West End yeah, yeah, it yeah. totally deserves to be there and, and I think the first time I saw it I probably quite liked it Yeah. Um, but did you know when you were doing those things that that wasn't the journey you wanted to take Yes,
1: I I did. Um, I still had a very good time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thrilled to be working in the West End, and I met a lot of very very nice people. But but no, it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to be doing necessarily. Mm. Um, But I guess I just trusted in um, the stepping stone Uh thing.
0: you You certainly took a step in the right direction after that because you went on to Les Mis. Yeah. Quite. Yeah, quite which is, pretty, If I had to name one show when I was, you know, a teenager that I wanted to do, it would have been that. I spoke to Alice Fern earlier on in the series mm-hmm. and she said exactly the same thing. She said that Les Mis was the show that she aspired to do when leaving drama school mm-hmm. and I imagine... Um, that what she said then was quite similar to you as well once she'd achieved that dream it then forced her to make new dreams and it forced her because she's achieved I've, I've done Les Meys is it so then it all of a sudden forced her to go okay now what do absolutely. I actually want to do because I've got to maintain this career for the next 40 years yeah yeah absolutely um, was, was it a similar thing for you once you ticked it off the list you mm-hmm. kind of started to go oh, okay I need to I need to stay interested
1: yeah I guess so um the thing is, you can never really plan where you a where you want to be, or b where you're actually going to end up in this in this game. Because actors have very little control really about what what they do. You can make decisions that, of course, will help mm-hmm. um, inform the route that you take, but ultimately, you know, one thing just naturally leads to another, yeah. and you could be ended up doing something you've never planned to do. And with Les Mis, I had the best time ever doing the stage show, but of course I was cast in the movie at the Mm. same time, uh, and was shot at for, whatever, six weeks towards the end of my West End contract, and that just opened up a whole new world to me. (laughs) Yeah, I I
0: don't know whether it's insulting to say this to you, but I feel like that really put you on the map in terms of... That's certainly when you came to my attention mm. because a lot of people, you were so featured in that film, more than that character normally is, right? Yeah, yeah. And it felt like you, like they, there was a certain group of people in the students, mm-hmm. a certain group of them that they that they chose to kind of focus mm-hmm. on as the core of yeah. students. That must have been amazing. Yeah, you must have been thrilled. I was really, really thrilled. I mean, I
1: got the screenplay through and I could see that this character is Kofrak, who Kofrak. Kofrak. goes for nothing in the stage show essentially. Mm was just really uh, sort of beefed up in the, with the material and uh, often the, the, the relationship that Gal has with Grantaire in the stage show was transferred over to uh, Kofrak in the, in the film. So I was, yeah, it was very, very, very exciting. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have done it because I, yeah, I guess I agree, it was another real big turning mm-hmm. point. So, so you, you recognize that things did kind of take a shift after that. Yeah, I think so. Um, not, not terribly dramatically, but yeah, I guess it um, was definitely a real, a real turning point for sure. Uh, and personally, you know, as you say, in terms of aspirations and and what I wanted to do, it's just. It um, it excited me, it inspired me, it made me think, okay, I want to do more of this as well. And mm-hmm. um, I hadn't really considered the whole sort of film and television mm-hmm. thing. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it was a
0: wonderful thing for me to to have done and to sort of inspire me to go forward. And what was it uh, what was the experience of working on that film? Like, I mean, aside from the actual shooting of it, what was it like being part of something that big that kind of globally, people had an opinion on, people were waiting to see, there was anticipation, there was Mm. good reviews, there was bad reviews, what was it like, kind of navigating that experience? Mm. Um, I mean, there was no question how big it was
1: going to be, you know, you're already involved in an absolute phenomenon, Mm. Um, and yeah... Oddly, you shoot the thing for X number of weeks and you're working with the same group of people and uh, a relatively small amount of people. You know, there's this crew, there's some extras and there's this core group of students and then you leave it for six months and then when it opens, that's when everything just sort of Mm -hmm. blows up, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was a bit of an odd experience, you know, because you didn't actually, you didn't necessarily
0: experience the whole um Yeah it wasn't the as one, it was kind of two yeah, separate yeah. two separate, separate occasions. And thing. what was it like during the, the kind of dip, just anticipating that you knew it was going to blow up. Is that <laughs> weird? Yeah. I did I did a winter's hail at the at the So you f- you, were you were busy, there. you filled your time. But yeah,
1: it was a it was a tiny little fringe theatre. What do you call that one in Clapham? I don't is it
0: there anymore? The, the, the landau, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like a tiny little hard good old thing. I think it went away and came back, right? I think it's back now. Um, so,
1: so yeah, so I was doing like a, little a tiny little <laughs> show in front of 50 people so <laughs> then,
0: from a huge, huge Hollywood blockbuster to yeah. a room, above yeah, the, the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that do to your head? Is it a good thing? Is it a, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I. My agent at the time,
1: we were thinking, well, we oh, we have to wait for the right thing here you mm-hmm. know, after doing this film, uh, which by and large, I'm happy with, and I'm certainly more content with sort of waiting for the right project like back then, like I'd only really worked for a few years, and I was just keen to you do, to do wow, wow. stuff, so eager, you know, and um, bored quite easily. So, um, when this, this sort of hard good old musical came along and I'm a big fan of his work I, mm. I mean I'm doing it I don't care if there are three people in the audience I'm going to do it um, and I think yeah it sort of keeps your keeps your uh, feet firmly in the
0: grind I suppose but mm-hmm. um, well, it's not the only time you've done that because you've gone from these kind of big shows and then you have done the mm-hmm. smaller stuff like I know I saw you doing the fix at the Union, which was the first show at the new venue Yeah, but that was kind of straight off the back of much bigger stuff. Yeah, I just a an Aussie like it, I think, at the national. So what, what kind of aids those decisions? What, what helps you make those decisions? Is it the part? Is it the venue? Is it to challenge yourself and go, do you know what, I want to do a small space because, I mean, obviously I've directed at union quite a mm-hmm. few times, and for me i what i notice is that there are you can't hide behind anything as an actor yeah and, you know you're not amplified you're not wearing a mic um you, you don't have huge amounts of set to hide behind so you are really forced to kind of go back to kind of acting 101 yeah, yeah. and that's what attracts a lot of people yeah. um so what is it about those those things that attract you yeah I mean, all those things and more
1: um uh, when I first moved to London, I saw loads of things at the Union. It was one of my favourite mm. spaces. Um, it still is. Um, I love fringe theatre, and I love particularly seeing musicals done um, that intimately. Yeah, It's so it's so interesting. It just completely redefines them. Um, you know, it's a form that's, by nature, a spectacle and mm. uh, grandiose, and to just have... Yeah, but to strip it right down to just what actually the actors are doing on stage mm-hmm. is really, really exciting. And um, I'd seen the fix before uh, at the other, you know, across the street, the Bluey masculine. I love Louis, Mascopin, and lovely, he's so class. And I just thought it was a really brilliant character and um, really damaged and oh, sad. And I just sort of empathized with him and I thought, yeah, I want to give this a go. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? So it's the roles that attract right, you then? Yeah, the role and the mm. piece. Mm. Um, I really, really liked the story. I, I thought the musical was largely brilliant. Um,
0: but yeah, I particularly liked the character. Mm. he was very interesting. Um, and then, kind of I, I, I don't know whether it was before or after you did the fix, but you also did the original production of When the Willows, which yeah. was for Stars and Drew. Yeah, just after that, actually. Oh, was it? So it was just after? So, so you yeah. kind of knew you were going into that? Yes, yeah. Do you think that in some way affected your uh desire or your availability to do that? Because when you know you're going into something, when when you know something's coming up, you kind of mm. want to fill that, that gap. Is, does that ever affect? Um,
1: sometimes. I can't actually remember if I had been cast in Wind in the Windows before setting mm. the fix or not, to be to be honest. Um I mean I'd be lying if I said, you know, the money doesn't come into it. You know, you don't earn a lot of money if any doing these smaller productions and um, with Wind in the Willows I would have had a sort of guaranteed decent enough wage to sort of get me through mm-hmm. um, x number of months so perhaps that did um, affect my, des- my decision mm-hmm. because you, you have to be realistic as well mm-hmm. and you know the fix was over the summer months I, I can't teach over the summer months because the schools aren't open and um, so yeah it, it very may well
0: have. Mm-hmm. Um, so was what, what was the experience of Winning the Willows like because obviously it was a regional production it was mm. the first time this musical had been performed anywhere Stars and Drew were quite hot absolutely you know? yeah, yeah. they'd done Mary Poppins they'd done Honk, they'd done Betty Blue Eyes um, what was that experience like because mm. you were playing pretty much one of the two lead characters yeah you were Mole right Mole yeah, yeah. yeah the whole story is really told through Mole's 80s as it were
1: and um, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was, I was so keen to do it because I'd never done an original musical before. Again, it was an o- a sort of uh, bucket list thing that I wanted to do. and I wanted to know what that creative pro- uh, process would have been like. I was a big fan of um, uh, George and Anthony's writing. Um, mm. Very, very British, quintessentially British and all that. Um, and I, I, had a really, I had a really fun time. Um, I loved the people that I was working with. Rufus and Sophia and Neil McDermott all those ones um, and you know when you're on tour I mean it was a very very short tour granted but you know there's just a very very lovely camaraderie and um, family feeling that you get when you're doing that uh, so where did it play? it played I know it played Manchester so it opened in Plymouth and went to the Lowry in Salford Manchester yeah and Southampton okay well. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and was that because, of course, we now know the the, the play ended up, uh, the show ended up uh, going mm-hmm. to the Palladium. Um, was that a kind of purposeful out of town tryout? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's just, that's useful to try something away from the West End before you open it? Though? Yeah, absolutely. I went to see it then in the West End. Well, yeah, that brings me on to the next. Funny yeah. you didn't transfer. But what, what was your thoughts of the once it once it got there? Um, I mean, I. I
1: Obviously, it was, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer to do The Fairy Mountain for me, but I still was very sad that I couldn't do The Wind in the Willows in Town because I had such a lovely time doing it and felt very connected to this piece and this very, very adorable little character mm. that I fell in love with. Um, the, sh- the show, I thought, was beautiful. and They had changed quite a bit, so I think the out-of-town Tryout was worth it. Absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, musicals are just so hard to pinpoint what makes it successful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's even harder than a play. There's just so much that needs to come together in a perfect, mm-hmm. perfect collision. And uh, I think I think the uh, West End version was was gorgeous and much much better because of having done the the out-of-time
0: it. I haven't seen a, a, um, a producer spend that much money on a, music, a new musical in a very long time. Mm. They threw a lot at that, didn't they? Yeah. And, yeah. and it felt really sumptuous and really kind of, mm. you know, quite opulent um, Yeah, sitting in the playroom as well. It was just such, yeah. a, it was such a nice thing to see. You know, yeah, British yeah. writers, new... Uh, new writing, yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was lovely. And mm. um, and so, that, that does uh, kind of answer my question that I was going to ask, that you, so you knew you had the ferryman then, which is why you didn't do the transfers. Yes, yeah. Um, so I had been, as I said, I was involved
1: in the very, very early reading of the ferryman the previous year. Mm. I never actually thought I would be in it because I thought I was too old to play one of the teenage lads. Um, but... Yeah, but then I, I auditioned or did, you know, did a tape when I was on tour, and then I had a meeting with Sam, uh, the offer for the West End, when of the Willows came in, and then I sort of had a few weeks before an offer for the ferryman officially came through, because there was another read-through with a full-assembled cast, etc. Um and yeah, I mean, it was that's and, a nice position to be in, isn't it? it? Oh, it's wonderful that... I say it's wonderful, it's actually heartbreaking as well, you know Um, as I said, I I so desperately wanted to do both Mm -hmm. uh, because I felt a real attachment to having just done The Wind in the Willows and my friends were going to still be doing it and Mm -hmm. Neil and Rufus and stuff and and it was sort of heartbreaking you know Um, but you know obviously I Mm was going to do the ferry man there, mm-hmm. there was no question but it's still as nice a situation as it is for an actor to be in you know to have that sort of conundrum it's still it's still a bit pains mm-hmm. painsy a little bit
0: and you spoke a bit about um you you did these read-throughs and you know uh, you kind of I guess workshops or Mm. kind of maybe yeah the the initial one two years ago would have been for the benefit of jazz really just to hear it
1: Mm -hmm. and for the structure of the whole thing Um, after meeting with Sam um, for the first time which was just a general chat We then read the
0: whole script. They, I mean, had a cast assembled. So there was no real audition. Well, that was what I was going to say. Because you'd done these read-throughs, and so you didn't then have to go on and do an official audition? No. I mean, Sam hates auditioning people. He said
1: that. He finds it very, very awkward, Mm -hmm. and you can never really do The text service really because it's an unnatural situation. Mm. So he assembled a version of the cast that he thought might work, and we all sat around the table and we just opened it up and we just read this, we just told this story. Mm. And I think after that first one, maybe about half of the casts were um, uh, cast, uh, half of the people were cast, and then there was a second read through when I'd already accepted my offer. And when they sort of found everyone else. Um, but it's a very lovely way to audition if,
0: yeah. <laughs> if only they were all like that. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, as a director, you see on panels quite a lot. I just, it is such a false environment and mm. it's so difficult to get the best out of someone, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. It, you, you're essentially giving them three, four minutes to, yeah. to prove themselves. And also, when, you're, when they're doing material from the play or the, the musical, they don't know it. Yeah, know, they, yeah, They don't know it well right enough. You yeah. know, that's what rehearsals are there for. Absolutely. Julie Atherton yeah. mm. did this uh, podcast. I was speaking to her last week, and one of her things is she always says, I don't know the play. I can't give you a finished mm-hmm. version of the product. Yeah. That's the point of rehearsal. Of so that does sound like quite a nice, oh, and also work. a really nice way to get a part in terms of, you know, it's with Sam this is this huge mm. new play, and you kind of just yeah, s- slipped into it. it's, it's lovely. It's,
1: it's lovely. I didn't have to. I at no point was I really, really nervous, you mm. know, because when you're just t- reading a script, I mean, there's not uh, big big wigs in the room, mm. but it's okay because you're playing opposite actors and you're just mm. telling the story. Mm. It's not, as I it's said, a real acting environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So it was great, and I'm uh, just. Some of the um, talent in that room was amazing. Just really like old school Irish greats that were in there. You know that ended up doing the play as well, Derval Malloy and Breach Brennan. They were both in the original cast of uh, Dancing at Lughnasa. Brian,
0: Friends, Play, and it was just wonderful and it was just well, amazing. Well, where can people find you if they want to kind of look you up? Are you into the social media? Yeah, yeah. I am. Unfortunately. I mean, well, why did you say 14 days? <laughs> because you waste so much time on that. Yeah. Um, Instagram's a new thing for me. So yeah. I think Instagram is specifically for people who are kind of 22 and under. I don't get it. Okay. I just can't, I don't take that many photographs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I don't take photographs
1: of my food. Yeah. Or, or, you know, I guess I should really be taking a picture of me and you
0: here, shouldn't I? Twitter's is more my thing but like, let me take it because this is what Instagram people would do isn't it what like take it as we're yeah yeah as we're doing it there we go mm-hmm. there we are.
1: lovely great yeah. there you go so I'll put yeah. that on Instagram okay great but yeah Twitter, Twitter. Twitter's more really my thing so
0: where can people find you
1: yeah on t- Twitter apparently